When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, what a play! Hi, everyone, and welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Jess and Meg. No Jessica this week. She told me she's pretty swamped with other work stuff right now, so... She will more than likely be taking the rest of June and July off from the podcast. But you know who's not swamped, like literally not doing anything right now? Your girl. So I have every intention on keeping this podcast very interview-based in hopes that you guys can learn more about some of the best athletes, coaches, and support staff in the country right here at Oklahoma. So today's guest is Jazzy Richards. She will be a junior on the Sooner soccer team this upcoming season. And I kid you not, she might be the toughest student athlete that I've ever met. As if transitioning into college isn't hard enough, Jazzy was feeling symptoms about a month into her freshman year. And when her symptoms had not improved after that month, she was referred to a specialist who found a tumor in her bladder, which was biopsied as malignant. Now, Richards, this is crazy, was the only person in the world, in the world, you guys, to be diagnosed with a brain tumor in her bladder. It kind of sounded like the doctors weren't exactly sure how to treat this type of cancer. So we start the conversation from the very beginning of having symptoms to the day she found out about the cancer, to her road to recovery, to her very first start her sophomore season, and then her first goal, guys, against no other than the University of Texas. So let me read these ads real quick, and then we will get to Jazzy Richards right after this. The Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you in part by AT&T, America's Best Network, Academy Sports and Outdoors. Academy Sports and Outdoors is the preferred sporting goods retailer of Oklahoma Athletics. Metroplex Electric, we can be your electrician. Express Employment Professionals is a premier workforce management provider to Sooner Nation. To find a job or make your next hire, visit ExpressPros.com. All right, here is Jazzy Richards. 
So excited to have Jazzy on the podcast today. Last season as a sophomore, she appeared in 19 games, starting in 10 of them, recorded her first career goal against Texas. We will get to that, and we'll have plenty of time to get to that, trust me. She was also an academic All-Big 12 first team. Also, this is big. She was the 2020 recipient of the Honda Inspiration Award. OU soccer player Jazzy Richards. Jazzy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. Thanks for having me, Meg. It's good to see you. You as well. So Jazzy is one of the most inspiring and incredible stories I've ever seen at OU and quite frankly as a collegiate athlete playing at such a high level. So let's start from the beginning. You're shaking your head because you're she's the most, also the most humble person I've ever met. <laughs> so I, during this entire introduction, people on the podcast who don't know, we Zoom call, right? We have a Zoom meeting. And so Jazzy and I are just speaking to each other on camera, but people can't actually see you. So Let's start from the beginning. You arrived to Norman your freshman season. You're from the Houston area. Before the diagnosis, how was your experience in a brand new place in Norman, Oklahoma with a brand new team? You're taking college classes. Everything is different in your world. Right. So, um, yeah, coming on campus, it was definitely like, I don't know, it was good. I think just because I've lived in the Woodlands, which is north of Houston, my basically since I can remember, so since I was like seven, I think. And so just I'd been around the same people in the same places for 10 years, over 10 years at that point. And so getting out and being on my own, but then also not feeling like I was on my own because I was with like so many new people that were so easily easily integrating. I don't know the word, but like they were like so welcoming, I guess is a better word. And just like it was easy to get accustomed to the new culture and things like that. So it was, it was awesome. It was new, but it was fun. Were practices difficult? I know soccer has such a short preseason. So you have to put so much work into 10 days, 11 days before your very first collegiate soccer game. What were the initial practices like for you adjusting to that? Um, yeah. So basically in the summer, um, in June and July, we're not allowed to work with the coaches um at all and so they were kind of like captains run practices and we would do them like three times a week um we would go to the fields and we would just we would play small sided we would play um do like passing drills things like that just to like get integrated with the team but then also every morning we would be with our strength and conditioning coach and I think that was the biggest like spot of difficulty for me I think just because it was it's so different like growing up in club and things you just you just play soccer you don't you don't lift a whole bunch like sometimes you might if you do it at school or something but you don't lift a whole bunch you don't do a whole lot of extra workouts that are just like straight running and things like that like it's always soccer and so I think that was the biggest spot of difference for me was just learning how to learning how to like do those things learning how to lift and like getting a whole athlete and not just soccer player, I think was big. That's so funny you mentioned that. I was interviewed my freshman season and I was a gymnast at Iowa State, but I someone had asked me, what's been the biggest adjustment, you know, to being a collegiate athlete? And I was like, we have 6 a.m. swims and it's snowing outside. Like my <laughs> hair is frosted when I go to class. And that was yeah. my biggest adjustment was that of all things, like classes, whatever, you right. know, gymnastics was fine, but I was like, I'm not down with this whole swimming thing. This is not my jam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving forward, about a month in, you aren't feeling well. Is that, that the timeline? Walk me through yeah. that. Yeah, 
So, um, yeah, I guess it was right around, it was right before my birthday. So, yeah, it had been about four or five weeks, I think five weeks um, since I had moved in. And, yeah, I wasn't feeling well. Uh, we went out to have an afternoon practice, and there was, like, blood in my urine. And I was like, that's weird. Like, I'm hydrated. I don't know where it's coming from. So I talked to the trainer, and she sent me to um, Goddard, which is the, like, clinic, I guess, on campus. And they um, they didn't really know either what was going on. So we went to, a, I think it was an emergency room or something, in Oklahoma City. Um, and they had me there, and then they thought it was bruised kidney, like we've talked about um, before. And so, yeah, and then that thought carried on for, like, four more weeks after that or six yeah four to six weeks after that then I got um then I saw a specialist and he was like I don't know it's not bruised kidney that should have healed by this point so so this whole time you think it's a bruised kidney I guess when you originally find out thinking it's a bruised kidney what was the reaction um yeah they were just basically like um rest they were like rest don't do anything they were like don't do anything they were like maybe walk a little but they were like just the best the best is to rest and it should heal in like two or three weeks and I was like okay and so I, I didn't do anything I would walk around practice that was the most exercise I got for like two weeks three weeks and then four and then it kept going and then what happened was basically I would go in every it got to the point where I was going in like every week to like get rechecked and things like that to see because the only way to check is to just like keep giving them samples and they run it through this machine, I guess. And so, yeah, so I just kept going in and getting checked and like, there was so much like optimism about it because they were like, you know, it's it's gonna heal. Like that's just, it, these things just take time. And so there was like so much optimism around it. So every time I'd go and get checked, I was like, okay, like I'm gonna be back soon. I'm gonna be back soon. But yeah, so then once I saw the specialist and they were like, okay, no. Like, you're not going to be, like, it's not just Bruce Kidney, like, you have to do something else. That's when I was like, oh, okay. This might so take you, some time. Were you getting more and more nervous as time went on and you weren't able to return? Um, I don't think nervous, no. It wasn't nerves necessarily. It was kind of, just, it got, it kind of got to the point where it was just, like, frustration. Like, I was just like, it's like, I don't understand, like, I don't understand. I'm, I'm not sciencely inclined scientifically inclined at all so I was like I have no idea what's going on I'm just gonna listen to the people who are whose background is in science and things like that and so when yeah when things like weren't going the way I was told they were going to be going I was kind of just like frustrated I was like I just don't understand type thing and like I obviously who doesn't want to know what's going on with them you know and so I was kind of just like yeah I wasn't nervous I was just frustrated like I just want to play again type thing Spoken like a true athlete, Jazzy. <laughs> so the day finally comes, you visit this specialist. How did they tell you the exact diagnosis? Because it's a complicated one. Right. Um, so basically they did this scope and then he was like, so you have a tumor, um, but it's likely benign. Like out of all the ones I've seen in kids your age and things like that, like there's really nothing to worry about. Like, we'll just like remove it and you'll be fine. We'll send it off to the pathologist just to, for, you know, for sake of sending it off and just getting it confirmed. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Great. So when can I play soccer again? And he was like, um, yeah, you should just rest for like 
probably like two two weeks, but you should be fine. And I was like, okay, I rested for like maybe a week. I was like, no, nah, I need to play. I need to play again. But so then, um, yeah, so they sent it off. And I was thinking that was going to be the last thing, you know. So I was just completely focused on like getting back and being ready to go. And so in the time when I was waiting for the results to come back, I was playing. And so I think I played like four games, I think. And, but the thing was, the weird thing about it was the results were supposed to be back in like two weeks max, right? And so I was like, okay, cool, like two, what exactly was going on? And so, um, and so two weeks passed, and then three weeks passed, and then four weeks passed, and there was no, there was no indication of of what of what was going on like I still hadn't heard from the doctors and I was like that's so weird like why is this happening but I kind of just like put it out of my mind because I was like you know what I can play again like it's no big deal but then I got a call I got a call like four weeks after or something and they were like hi like can you come in um like we want to talk to you about your results or something like that and I was like yeah sure okay um so I went down there again and yeah, they're basically just like, so it's malignant, but we don't, but we don't know what it is. They were like, we might have an idea. They, cause I guess they have like in-house pathologists, I guess, but they didn't know what it was. So they had to send it to all these like places, like these like specialist places, I guess, in like Virginia and all these places. And nobody, nobody had seen it. Nobody was familiar with what it was and so they were like I just I suggest that you I suggest that you go see one of the major um, cancer centers and so those are like I think like St. Jude's um, MD Anderson one other one John Hopkins maybe I don't know like all over the place and I was like well MD Anderson's at home sort of it's like an hour and 10 minutes away so I'm like okay like I'll just go there and then what really what really actually confused me at this point was I went down to the MD Anderson people and they were like, our people looked at it. Um, we have an idea sort of what it is, but we want to go in and like, we want to go in and get another sample for our own sample. And I was, I was really confused at that point because from my understanding, it had been taken out, like the whole thing had been taken out. So I was like, what, what are they going to go in and take? So I guess maybe it grew back. I still don't know what, what the deal is with that. But so they did a surgery. They did a surgery again. Um, it was a Thursday. Yeah, because it was funny. They had this like portal online, all your appointments and things. And I knew that I had an appointment on Tuesday. And I was like, okay, cool. But then in there, it said surgery on Thursday. And I was like, what? We have a game on Friday. Like, I was like, I can't have surgery on Thursday. I was like, what? I was like, maybe it's like a typo something but then I got down there and it was not a typo so yes I did the I did the same surgery and then after that one I was like okay you know like I was like they they had to get the rest of it they had to get all of it at this point like I'm good to go this is all past this is all behind me and then I would say sorry this is like a really long story um I would say like um month and a half after that um and then after that one I didn't really play like I was like practicing and stuff but 
Ten minutes late after that one. So the season ended. We were just going on about normal life. Like we were getting ready for the next season, you know. We were starting. We were doing workouts. We were doing all that stuff. And about a week before finals, um, I got another, like, I was just looking to see if maybe the results were in or something on that portal that I mentioned earlier. And it said there was another procedure. And I was like, what is this? And I was, I remember I was with my friend Marissa and cause she's a, she's HES major, like pre-PA or pre-med, one of those. And I was like, do you know what this is? Cause it, it had like a fancy name. It was like a cystectomy, I think was the name. And she was like, no. And I was like, what? So we Googled it. And it was, it said the first, there was two definitions. And the first one was removal of a cyst in the bladder. And I was like, okay, like, I guess this thing is still in here. Like, I guess they're just going to take it out again. And then the second one was like full, full removal of the bladder or something like that. And I was like, whatever. Like, I kind of just ignored the second one. I was like, they're just going to remove the cyst again or whatever. And then my mom, I think, my mom called me one night and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, watching TV, mom. Like, what, what are you doing? And she was like, I'm like 30 minutes away. Like, do you want to get dinner? And I was like, what? She's 30 minutes away? I was so confused. I was like, because I live six hours away. I was like, what does she mean? She's 30 minutes away. So I called my dad. And I was like, dad, like, why? Like, what's going on? Like, why is mom here? And he was like, uh, I told her not to come. She just wanted to tell you in person. I was like, tell me what? He was, he was like, just go, go eat with her or whatever. And so I don't even know. I think we just like ordered food or something because I didn't want to go anywhere. I was like, mom, what's going on? And she told me um, that, yeah, they, the MD Anderson people, I guess, because I was, I was still, I was still fully in kid mode and I put my parents' numbers on everything. I was like, just contact them. Like, I don't really care. And so they, I guess they had called my parents and they were like, um, so the tumor's malignant um, and just told them all the details. And so like she relayed them to me kind of, not fully everything, but just most of it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, when is it like, you know, just like how, how is this going to go? And she was like, yeah, they're, we're going to meet with them um, one more time. And then they're planning on doing surgery in January. And I was like, okay um well I need to make sure that I like talk to my teachers and stuff because the the surgery was the Wednesday that we got back from January 16th yeah the Wednesday that we got back for the spring semester and so I was like I don't know if I'll even be able to go back like things like that so I just had to make sure that I like talk to my teachers and stuff for the next semester and it was probably so weird for them they were probably like who is this kid like emailing me I don't even have them for another month and a half but yeah so I just, yeah, I met with my freshers and then I was able to go on that Monday and Tuesday to just make sure that everything was set and I headed home and um, yeah, and uh, I had surgery on the Wednesday and then two and a half weeks later, I went back to school because I had a test on on the, <laughs> on the Monday or Tuesday or something like that. So, yeah. So going backwards a little bit, what exactly was the diagnosis, if you're comfortable in telling us? Yeah, um, so it's called an ependymoma, which is, it's extremely rare tumor from my understanding, but it's a brain tumor. And so sometimes it's found in the central nerve, like in spinal cord, things like that. 
But yeah, so one in seven billion and 200 million, however many it is, people in the world, and I was the only one that they found it where they found it. So they, it was kind of like uncharted territory, I guess. And you never want to hear a doctor be like, yeah, I've never seen this before. But yeah, they had never, they had never seen it before. So they just developed what they thought would be the best plan of action. And we, and we went for it. Did that concern you at all that you were like, wait, so these doctors have never done this before because they've never seen it. Like they're making up this procedure as they go. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. Like they had done the procedure before, but they had done the procedure for other types of like cancer and other things like that. So I wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't, I wasn't concerned necessarily that they wouldn't like do it right or like yeah, I wasn't concerned about that. I wasn't concerned about anything, really. I was kind of just like, you know what, that's fine. If y'all think this is best, then then that's what's best, and, like, let's go for it. Um, the only, I mean, the only thing I was concerned about was, like, not being able to play anymore, and I was like, how how are we going to – how are we, we going to get the best opportunity to play? Because there was three – there were three different procedures that they could have done initially that they thought they could have done, and – but then – ended up the location of the tumor I couldn't do I couldn't do one or one of them and then what the other one he was just like I don't recommend this for anyone so I was like okay <laughs> I was like okay I'll just do uh, I guess that leaves my process of elimination that leaves the one that I got you must have had some uh, interesting confidence in these doctors when they're like this one is not we're not going to do this one because we can't I'd be like sorry why did you give me the option then? <laughs> right, that's what I thought at first, yeah. But I was just like, you know what, that's fine. I was like, it's, it's, it's all right. Okay, so the day you find out that this is a cancer, we have to get it removed, clearly you weren't concerned about it, but your parents, how did your parents take the news? What was that day like for parents of an 18, 19-year-old person? Yeah, um... Honestly, I don't know. Like, I called – so they weren't there because um, I saw the the day I found out it was malignant, I was still in Oklahoma. And so they weren't there, so I had to call them. And I, they weren't together. Honestly, I might have texted them. Like, I don't – I don't know. I think I called one and texted the other, but I just was like – I was kind of – for me, because, like, and they'll attest this, like, there aren't that many things that are a huge deal, you know? And so I was kind of just like, okay, here's the information, like kind of like not do with what you will, but like, here's the info. And that was kind of it for me. Like, I wasn't like, I wasn't like, I, I, like, I don't like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I don't know how it was. I can't, I can imagine it was absolutely devastating for them, but I, it wasn't, I can't tell you, I don't know. Cause I kind of just, just like, here's the info. Um, yeah. And they were okay. like, how, they were like concerned. They were concerned like how I was feeling. They were concerned how I was feeling. And then I told them I was fine. And that was kind of just, you know, that was kind of just the end of, of the like, <laughs> I don't know. But, like, were you actually fine? Like, you had to be afraid of something, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of took, it took a little bit, probably, for it to, like, sink in. Yeah, it 
took a bit for it to sink in, I think. And so like on a, like initially I was completely fine. And then like after a little bit of like, after I found out that they were doing, so in December, right before I found out that they were doing the big surgery, I was kind of like, okay, like this is a big deal. Like this is a, you know, like I was kind of like, well, things could go wrong or like if they don't fix this or something, things like that. And so that's when I would say, not that I was like scared necessarily, but I was just like preparing myself mentally for like whatever was to come. I was like, you, they don't know necessarily exactly what's going on. So like, you just need to be, you just need to be prepared for, prepare for the worst, hope for the best was kind of the mindset that I was in December and then through January. Was there ever a moment where the doctor said you might not be able to play soccer again? Like, obviously your life is going to be changed after this surgery. Well, before the surgery too, but was there ever a moment where certain things that meant a lot to you weren't going to be the same? Yeah. Um, before, before I, before we decided which procedure I was going to do, there was one that eventually I probably would have been able to get back to playing, but it wasn't 100% certain that I would be able to get back. And even the procedure I did, they didn't know because once they go in, they were like, there, it could be different than we're anticipating. And like, we might have to we might have to do more than we thought. And so there was a time where it was a possibility for sure. But they said, they said once they went in, you know, that things went as planned. And like, if, if everything heals properly, like I'll never be back physically, like obviously, cause I'm down in Oregon, but like, <laughs> Physically, like, um, like certain things, certain muscles and things like that they mess with won't ever be as strong technically, but, like, it's not to the point where, where it completely hinders my ability to play, so. So, what was the recovery process like? I guess from the beginning, after the surgeons tell you, okay, things went well, we saw what we thought, we got rid of it your life is different, but I guess from that point on, what was the recovery process like for you? Yeah, um, so I was in the hospital for about five days, and in the hospital, they're like, get up and like walk around. It's weird. They're like, you need to get up and you, and you have to like take laps around this, around the floor. And because they want to make sure that all the new systems, I guess, that they connect are like working and things like that. And so that's the walking started right at like the day after, I think. Oh, wow. And then when they send you home, they're like, okay, keep walking, but literally don't do anything else. They're like, they didn't even want you taking the stairs. Like, they're like, don't, they're like, don't do anything for limit your activity as much as possible other than walking. But they're like, you need to walk. And so that was... That was about, I was, I could literally only walk and not take stairs for like six weeks. And then 
after six weeks, I went back and they were like, how's walking going? Things like that. And I was like, great. I was like, what can I do? You know, like, I was like, it's awesome. I was like, everything's great, you know? And they were like, okay, I mean, you can start to like, start to slightly increase your activity um, to maybe like jogging and things like that. And so when they said that, I was like, green light. I was like, here we go. <laughs> and so then for probably another six weeks, I was doing a lot of jogging, a lot, a lot of jogging. And I mean, I was probably going a little faster than I should have at the near the end there, but it was still technically just supposed to be like things like jogging and you could get up to like, you could lift up to 10 pounds at that point because you weren't allowed to lift anything either. And so there were like 10 pounds and jogging. And I was like, okay. And so, so then, yeah, I guess four months, four months later, I, um, I started doing like non-contact in practice. Um, and they were like, you can build in, you can build in by like 50, like 10% a week or something like that. And it got, when it got to that point, it was kind of like based on what I could handle. And cause they didn't have a roadmap really for a, a kid doing this and returning back to play. So he was kind of just like, the doctor was kind of just like, you know, if you feel fine, like then, then do, do what you can, but don't overdo it was kind of the information that I got. And for, for a kid like me, I was like, okay, like, yeah, don't overdo it. Okay. But so it was kind of after about four months, it was kind of just like, it's up to your discretion, how you, how you go about it. So super vague instructions and in how to get back into shape and you, it just went over your head. You were going to start getting into soccer shape, but did you ever think getting back in shape is going to be tough but it's nothing compared to what I just endured yeah um honestly I never like compared the two um when I was thinking about it I was kind of just like okay what I just endured like that's done with I was like I'm on to the next thing and so then whenever I did start getting back into shape I was like ah this is so hard <laughs> like this sucks um but it was yeah I never really compared the two like like they're kind of I yeah I don't know I never compared them it was kind of just like two separate two separate things okay fast forward to the 2019 preseason so just this past fall you're healthy you're figuring out how to play this kind of new game I guess in your sense with your new body your new mind what was the biggest difference from preseason 2018 to preseason 2019 um, biggest difference. I think one, I actually got to participate in more than one practice. Um, cause yeah, preseason, like real preseason, like with the coaches and stuff. Yeah. Freshman year, I only, I only did one in like a half or something. So yeah, it was weird actually doing it and like, being not just keeping score and things like that but like actually doing it it was weird um but yeah I think that was just freshman year was kind of like okay 
you've been playing this way for the last 10 years, whatever it's been, I'd been playing a certain way. And so this past year, it was kind of just like, you have to play differently than you have taught yourself for the last, I guess I've been kind of sort of playing the same way for like five years up until college. So then I was like, okay, everything you've learned, you, you're not going to be the same player that you were before. So how do you become the best version of the new player that you're going to be kind of thing? And so that was probably, that was the difference. I think the biggest difference. Okay, you make your first career start on August 22nd, right on John Crane Field. I have the chills just thinking about it, like talking to the coaching staff before the season started. Like everyone was so excited for you. Your teammates were excited for you. Describe that night for me. Um, yeah, so that game was insane. I mean, we waited like two hours or three hours or something. Oh, I forgot um, about there, that. Yeah, because there was like the that rain, rain delay. delay. And so, I don't know, like, it was, it was obviously, like, a big deal, you know, in, like, hindsight, but in the moment, I was kind of just, like, all right, let's go, like, game number one, we need to win, you know what I mean, we need to do our best as a team, and so it wasn't, for me, I didn't think of it as, like, okay, this is your first start, like, like no, it's kind of just, like, all right, this is our first game, and we need to show people what we've been working so hard to to achieve over the past however many months and like it's it's go time type thing so and then afterwards I was like oh like this is kind of a big deal like my coach he called my mom I guess before the game and apparently she started like crying you know how she is and and it was just like to see their emotions and like to see like how much it affected them it kind of kind of obviously impacted me but beforehand I didn't even think of it that way and just so like to see how big of a deal it was for like my family and my friends was I think that's it took me hindsight to realize how big of a deal it was but yeah it was it was unreal and in hindsight like that's crazy it's almost like that night is a story in itself you know you have to wait two hours because there was lightning and it wasn't yeah. just like a couple things of lightning. It was all over. Like it was crazy <laughs> yeah. in Norman, Oklahoma that night. And of course you have to wait two more hours. Like you're right. finally about to play after a year of everything that just happened and you have to wait another two hours. But I do want to get into how bad did you want to score? I remember it so clearly because you were close a couple times. You got a couple really good shots off. You could yeah. feel it. Like, I could feel it from the sidelines. I was like, she's going to find the back of the net here. <laughs> like, yeah, there was there was one that I remember so well. It was like, we, I don't remember who crossed it, but it was literally like this far, like out of like my reach, I guess. And so like I got something on it because I like slid and I hit it with my right foot. And it w- it ended up going wide by, like, this much or something. And I was just like, oh, got to get back in position for this goal kick. Like, <laughs> it's like if only it had gone in. Like, but, yeah, that was the one. I just remember that game. There was so much – because we won 1-0. And so there's – whenever you're up 1-0, it's like, okay, do not let them score. 
at any cost. Do not let them score, but get the next goal, you know? And whenever you're, like, pushing, pushing, pushing on both ends because it's, like, so close at the same time. Because we, in all honesty, from what I remember, we sort of destroyed – like, we were playing really well that day. Yeah. And we just were not scoring. And so I think – I think all of us a little bit were, like, like, it just one more. Like, we can – like, come on. Like, everyone on the field that night felt like they could score, I think. And so, yeah, it was just – it was definitely, like, whenever – like some of those shots of your time would be so close it was like god like you know your ass so a couple months later october 31st halloween against no other than texas you find the back of the net for the first time as a sooner take me through that moment now that you've had some time to reflect on it what was that moment like yeah i mean so we were losing it was 2-1 when i scored and I scored, and I was like, bet, like, thank God we're back in the game. Like, it's tied. And then it took, like, a second. Then I was like, oh, my God. I was like, like, I just, like let's go. I was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> like, it took a second. Yeah. I, I remember that game, and I was not – it was not, like, one of my best games in any capacity. And so I was like, okay, you need to, like, do something now. You know what I mean? Like, I was like – do something, anything, pass it to somebody that's going to score, score, do anything. Figure it and out. Tina, <laughs> um, yeah, and then Tina crossed it in, and Kaylee, like, stepped over it, and I was like, silver platter, like, holy crap, come on. I was like, do not mess this up. You're, This is like freaking taking candy from a baby. I was like, come on. And so, yeah, so right after, I was like, bet we're back in the game, and then took a second but I was like oh my god like that's my first goal like that's awesome but then I was like okay back to now it's time to <laughs> now it's time to get another so we can so we can beat Texas but what yeah. did your teammates or coaches or support staff say to you whether it probably wasn't in that moment because you guys get back pretty quick but after the game what was the locker room like yeah um I mean, so the game didn't go well, you know, they did Texas beat us like last minute or whatever it was last few minutes. But after the game, it was kind of just like, so a bunch of our teammates from my freshman year that graduated, they were in the stands. And I remember, because we always go say hi after the game. And one of them was literally crying. And she was like, I'm so proud of you. Just like things like that. She was like, and then another one was like, after you scored, I went and gave her mom a hug. Like just things like that. And so that was just like cool to see and like appreciate, you know, because that was how much it, how much they cared and like to see how much they cared was like awesome. You were just given the Honda Inspiration Award, which is given to a deserving student athlete in D1, D2, or D3 who has experienced extraordinary physical and or emotional adversity, injury or illness, or experienced extraordinary personal sacrifice during her college enrollment as a student athlete and yet returns to athletic success. That was a definition I just read, if you could not tell. But one thing that really stood out to me that you said to me last fall uh, in an interview was 
it's a get to, it's not a want to. Those early practices, those early lifts, those are get to's. How did your perspective change over the course of the past two years? Yeah, um, it's like I would never say that I took soccer for granted necessarily because growing up like you see your friends get hurt and you see people you know get hurt and you're just like that could be me like you know like enjoy what you have um so I wouldn't say I took it for granted but I definitely think the little things so like the sport as a whole I would never say I took for granted but the little things like I would remember like ah like I have to get up off the couch and go to practice you know things like that and now it's like okay like I can run I can walk I can do so many things and it's just like it's and I say I've been so long time ago probably like three or four years ago now my friends they both tore their their ACLs um one right before our season and one during our season and we were in like a regional final I think or a regional semifinal and I told the team before the game I was like do what you can for those who can't about them about those two and since all this has happened those who can't um just takes on a much broader term like a much broader sense and it encompasses so many more people now because whenever I think about so every game we we get these little hearts and you write someone's name on it or something that's important to you on it so that you're playing for something bigger and I always put TWC for those who cannot and it's just because there are so many kids who get told something like I get told and so many parents whose kids get told something that I get told and they don't have the same outcome that I had. They don't have as much of a positive outcome that I got, that I was lucky enough to have. And so I think it just makes me think about things in such a broader sense. Like there are so many people out there who wish that they could run around a soccer field, who wish that they could literally just like wake up in the morning and stand up, things like that. And so that's, over the last two years, like the way I see things, I just see them broader and just think about all the people that don't get as lucky as I got, things like that. Wow, talk about perspective. That was really powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just a few more. We can talk a little soccer on this podcast as well. So the Sooners have a brand new coaching staff, and trust me, they're excited to get to work. I've talked to both Mark and Kat. They're awesome. Yeah, they are. Do you know what this summer and fall, what what will it look like for you and your team? Yeah, um, I mean, there's so much up in the air just because what's going on right now is so unprecedented, but as, as of now, what we know is there will be a soccer season, and we as of right now, get to start practicing again on the 4th of August, I think, with the coaches and everything. And yeah, the same short preseason as usual. And then it's, from my understanding, it's go time. And I don't know 
obviously we can't go out to the West Coast and play those teams that we were supposed to over there. But for the most part, I mean, conference play will happen. And so it, it'll look – It'll look different, but it'll still it'll still look, you know, however, 16 games at the least, I think, is what they're talking about now. And so there will still be a champion. There will still be a Big 12 champion. There will still be NCAA champion, from my understanding. So it's it's look, things are looking good. There's definitely optimism. Your college career is for the storybooks. You've had soccer taken away from you once because you got diagnosed with cancer. You came back for one season, and then COVID-19 happens, and there's no spring soccer. Mm -mm. Like, you've had soccer taken away from you once. I guess, what are you most excited about? What are you looking forward to when you can finally get back to Norman and practice on John Crane Field with your team? Yeah, I definitely think just everybody being back together and that might look different too with the whole, you know, social distancing and small groups and stuff, but just being able to start to get a flow and to start to get back those connections because there's nothing like playing together. You can pass the ball up against the wall as many times as you want. You can dribble through as many cones as you want. But there's nothing like going out on the field and just playing pickup or playing small-sided and like actually getting relationships down and things like that so I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most. All right Jazzy well I cannot thank you enough for all your time today this went on a lot longer than I thought it would but <laughs> your story is so remarkable and so inspiring to me that thank like you. I think a lot of people would be interested in this so congratulations on receiving the Honda Inspiration Award and truly I cannot wait to see you hopefully in August or September or whenever I'm allowed to get on the field with the team again <laughs> yeah can't wait I really appreciate right. you for having me deposits for 2020 Oklahoma men's and women's basketball season tickets are currently on sale call or text 405-325-2424 for more information or lock in your seats today by visiting Soonersports.com. Even in these uncertain times, your Oklahoma Chick-fil-A restaurants are here to serve you. Dining rooms are closed, but where possible, you can still order from the drive-thru, the Chick-fil-A app, or from DoorDash. OU Extended Campus. Degrees online, on-site, on your schedule. Become the tradition. At Mercy, your life is our lives' work. Here's What's on Tap, presented by OG&E. OG&E is power at the speed of life. This week on our classic game broadcast, we will focus on the Sooners' battles with TCU. On Thursday night, don't miss the OU versus TCU baseball game from the 2017 season with a dramatic finish courtesy of Renee Martinez. This Saturday, we continue our celebration of Big 12 championships with the OU versus TCU Big 12 football title game from 2017. Make sure you subscribe at Soonersports.com podcast. Thanks so much to Jazzy for sharing her story and being such an inspiration to so many. Just in talking to Jazzy, I literally forget that she's 19 or 20 years old. She just seems so mature, so thoughtful, and the perspective she brings to this Oklahoma soccer team, this Oklahoma athletic department, truly, truly is remarkable in my eyes. All right, thank you so much to everyone listening. I will see you guys next Wednesday.